Shalom, and welcome to Viahavta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Psalm 89 is a psalm of worship, of confidence in God, and knowing that God will help His people overcome. Because of that, we should always be people of great gratitude. Now, we began this psalm last week, and God willing, we will conclude it this week. Take out your Bible and look with me to that 89th psalm. We saw that the author was a man by the name of Eitan. That name means strong and powerful. And he's called Ezrahi, which means one who is a citizen. And the implication is that this man is strong because he's a citizen of the kingdom. And because of his kingdom faith, he knows that God will keep faithfulness to his people And through God's grace, his steadfast love, God's people will have victory. Now, he mentions King David frequently. And whenever David is mentioned in the Bible, especially after his death, we need to also think about the son of David, in other words, the Messiah. And we see that there are references in this psalm which are messianic. So with that said, look with me to where we left off last week. We're going to begin in verse 20 in the Hebrew text, verse 19 for most of you. And notice how it begins. Then you spoke. And literally, it's the word vechazon, which means in a vision. Most of the commentators understand this as relating to a prophetic word through prophecy once more then you spoke in a vision to your and the next word chasadim now this implies those who have received grace from the lord those who are living in the grace of god those who are led by god's grace this word chesed it's in the plural here can mean steadfast love it can relate to god's mercy his mercy that brings about an obedient change in our life and the grace of god through messiah yeshua always will do that now does that mean that a believer won't struggle with sin of course not we all struggle in this body we all can undergo temptation we see that messiah himself the scripture says that he was tempted in all points but he never sinned and we need to remember that messiah never sinned he never transgressed the law of moses and it was because of his faithfulness his identity the perfect son of god without spot or blemish it is for this reason that he could do the work of redemption now look again at our text then you spoke in a vision to the ones who have received grace and you have said i have cried out for help concerning my mighty one and then it speaks about i have lifted up my chosen one from the people now i want to be very careful here because when i translated it i said my mighty one i believe that's the implication but literally it simply says al gibor concerning the mighty one and likewise in the second part of this verse where it talks about my chosen one my elect the word my is not there but again that's the implication that god is going to lift up the elect meaning those whom he has chosen 
and there's going to be a remnant of his people. That's why it says, Vachur Me'am, the chosen one from the people. Next verse, verse 21 in Hebrew, 20 in other Bibles. I have found David, my servant. Now, that term, Avdi, my servant, is frequently used prophetically as a reference to Messiah. And notice what it says here. Let's read the verse and see what are the implications. I have found David, my servant, with oil, my holy one, I have anointed him now notice i believe that this this verse is extremely messianic where it speaks about david it's speaking about the son of david messiah that it's messiah who is my servant and here that word my does indeed written in the text appears in the text and with holy oil and it's my holy oil I have anointed him. Next verse. With my hand, with my hand, he, and basically it speaks about being supported, being established. And the reason why it's uh, my hand, it has sustained him because the word for hand is feminine and this is in the feminine future so it speaks about how my hand will establish him and furthermore my my arm and notice the next part it's a word for strength or power so my arm will strengthen him now many times the word zeroah for arm is a reference to messiah so what's wonderful about the text is that we need to understand it in both ways first of all we see how God is moving in the life of his son. And I'm speaking about Messiah. What does that teach us? The very power of God was also in Messiah. Why is that? Because he's the divine son of God the Father, he himself being God. But we can also see this and apply it to David that God, in that same way, established him. God was working in the life of his anointed king david the son of of jesse and furthermore it says my my arm strengthen him what we find is that the lord who is eternal and here i'm speaking about messiah messiah also this this pre-incarnate messiah also worked in the life of david so is it about messiah yes is it about david yes why the scripture can reveal many things in one text that's why many of the rabbinical commentators they point out the 70 facets of the torah and here it's not just the first five books that have that that unique character but all of of scripture so we look at scripture and we can see that same truth being applied to messiah being applied to the people to show the intimacy and the unity between Israel, for example, and Messiah, and also believers in Messiah. Let's move on to the next verse, verse 23 in Hebrew 22, in other texts where it says, the enemy, and this is a word which means kind of, uh, in this case, won't outfox, will not be wiser, will not be able to take advantage of. So God is making a promise that the enemy is not going to have success over him. And he will not uh, overcome him or deceive him. Secondly, it says, and the son of the evil one will not be able to afflict him. So it's simply a promise here that the enemy is not going to have victory over God's covenant people, over the king of Israel. And we can see that as applying to David, as we saw in the previous verse, or applying to Messiah. The enemy is not going to have victory over Yeshua. Next verse. 
I, this is God. And it's a word, we might translate it cut down, but it's really a word for for uh, a beating into powder. It's a strong word of destruction in an utter sense. And God is promising, and it says, his enemy, basically, I will not allow to, to beat him up before before him. He's not going to have authority. He's not going to have the ability to, to cut down the people of God or ultimately Messiah. Next, he says, and his, and this is the word for those who hate. So those who hate him, and the next word, a growth, it can mean a, a punch or it can mean will not allow him to, to bring a plague upon him. He's not going to allow him to strike him, to harm him, to have any type of, of defeat over him. Now, here again, we need to see this from a kingdom perspective. In this world, we can suffer loss. In this world, the enemy can appear to have an upper hand. But in the kingdom of God, that so-called victory of the enemy is not going to any longer have any relevance and it won't be seen. Why? Because of the exaltation of the people of God through that kingdom experience. Well, let's look at the next verse where it says, My faithfulness and my grace are with him. And in my name, his horn will be exalted. Now, all of this is the language to show victory. That the enemy is not going to have any lasting uh, uh, victory over the people of God over the servant of god over the anointed one of god so again it's a powerful verse my faithfulness god is speaking my faithfulness and my grace are with him and because of that it says in my name his horn will be exalted horn speaks about the essence horn speaks about victory and salvation so it's a promise that we're reading about next verse I will set in the sea my hand. Hand can be related to authority. Some of the rabbinical commentators speak about how it's really a reference to kingdom. And if we're speaking about Messiah, it simply says that he's going to have authority over over all the waters. Now, why are waters being mentioned? Well, sometimes water can relate to a blessing, but not in this case. Here, it's talking about water in the sense of that which is unstable, that which has no no, uh, foundation that's not reflecting the will of God. And what it's telling us here is that God's anointed one, God's ruler, is going to set, set his authority over the water, meaning over all that which is unstable. And furthermore, it says, and, and in the seas, his right hand. Here, it's literally the word for river. So many times we see parallelism. We see the sea or the ocean, the Hebrew term yam, and the word nahar in the plural, naharot, it's talking about rivers. So over all water, whether it's seas and rivers, oceans and rivers, what it's speaking about is that God is going to put his authority. And the way to understand this is that many times the sea, well, you walk to the shore, the sea is vast. So it's speaking about God's vast authority over all creation beyond the boundaries that a human can can obtain next verse verse 27 in hebrew 26 in english he will call upon me and what does he say he calls me my father are you my god and then we have the term surah yeshua t the rock of my salvation and rock here speaks about that which is uh, uh hard 
that which is a strong foundation. And notice when we look at the whole verse where he says, you are my father calling God father and my God, the rock of my salvation. Here again, salvation can imply victory, overcoming. And over and over, we see that this psalm, as we emphasized last week, is a psalm of praise, adoration, worship, and thanksgiving. And as we've seen thus far in the second half of this psalm, we see reason after reason after reason why one should praise God, why one should be thankful, because we know in the end, victory is with the people of God through God's covenant, specifically that new covenant through Messiah. Verse verse 28 in Hebrew, 27 in others. Surely I will give him the firstborn. Now, what it's speaking about here is commitment. I will set him as the firstborn. What it's saying is that the firstborn has an inheritance, and that's what God's saying. He is going to set as the firstborn this one. This one's going to have victory. This one's going to inherit blessing. And furthermore, he says, the Most High, this one who is the Most High, he is going to be over, notice what it says, kings of the earth. So who is the firstborn, the firstborn of the dead? It's an expression of of victory, of overcoming, and position, a, a preferred position. So here again, we can see this as related to Messiah. That same term for firstborn is used by Paul to describe Yeshua's victory, that he is the one that inherits all things, and he's going to share that victory and that inheritance with you and me his disciples so once again surely or even it's a word of of emphasis and and exclaiming something surely i have given him as the firstborn the most high he's going to be the most high ruler over all the kings of the earth and then god says another statement of his his providence his care where he says forever i will guard him what will guard him my grace so forever my grace will guard him god's doing it through his grace and the thing that we should ask ourselves is how do i have access to the grace of god well the grace of god entered into this world in fullness through messiah there's an inherent relationship between grace and redemption it was because of messiah's redemptive work that we have now access to grace it's only when one is redeemed by the blood of messiah that they can receive the benefit of grace and what is the benefit of grace well first and foremost salvation part of that salvation experience is the assurance of entering into the kingdom and part of that grace is going to work in our life to bring about the fulfillment of God's will, meaning this. When someone truly has received God's grace, they are going to have that new nature. The grace of God brings about regeneration. It makes me a kingdom creature, which I'm going to have a kingdom mindset and pursue kingdom things. What is that? I'm going to be concerned and committed to the will of God. That's one of the best ways to ask yourself, have I received God's grace? Have I really entered into that new covenant relationship? Have I been born again through faith? Well, if you are committed to kingdom truth, wanting to to demonstrate obedience to the kingdom truth, and what is the kingdom truth? The commandments of God. The commandments of God manifest righteousness. Now, I've said this many times, but it's a very important point that many people are confused by, and it's this. The law of God, which is related to the commandments of Moses, were never given as an instrument to make us righteous in order to justify us before God. 
the law doesn't have that that capability it is not given for that reason but the law defines what is righteousness and when we submit to the law and how do we do that being led by the spirit of god that is the holy spirit the holy spirit one of the reasons why it's called the holy spirit he's called that because holy relate to the purposes of god the holy spirit is always going to move me and equip me with the intent to fulfill the purposes of god look again at our text he says my grace forever will keep him and notice how grace how do i receive that by means of a covenant a new covenant and my faithful covenant is to him verse 30 in hebrew 29 in other languages i have set his seed forever now who is his seed well the his is messiah this david not king david the son of yeshai jesse but the son of david an idiom for messiah he says i have set his seed who is the seed of messiah we are believers in him and god has promised i have set forever his seed and his throne as the days of heaven so here messiah his seed notice what it says messiah his seed is forever now we can understand that as the seed of of david messiah is forever but we who are in a covenant relationship we're going to reap the benefits that are given to messiah he's the firstborn of the dead but we also are going to share in his inheritance and that's why keep reading in the next verse his throne it's the word for chair but in this case a king's chair is a throne his throne like the days of heaven meaning they go on and on and on and the implication to that idiom is that which is forever next verse if his sons will leave my torah and in my judgment meaning god's judgment god's ways what god deems as right and in my my judgments they do not walk if in my statutes they profane and my covenant my excuse me my commandments they do not keep what is god going to do he is going to punish he says and i will visit with my rod their transgression and in and this is the word for striking and it's in the plural so an abundant punishment an abundant uh, discipline he says here is is going to be their iniquity so god's going to deal with that god's going not going to ignore that he says in the next verse but my grace a fear may emo which means my grace and this is word for for its implication is my grace i will not take from him and i will not uh, lie in my faithfulness meaning this god in spite of our disobedience in spite of our failure god is going to move in our life yes he will discipline but that discipline and that judgment is not for his covenant people to destroy them but rather to bring them back to obedience bring them back to where god will use them where they will be a useful vessel in the hand of the lord so he says my faithfulness what i've promised them i i have not lied He says in the next verse, verse 35 in Hebrew, 34 in others, I will not profane my covenant, and what goes forth from my mouth, I will not change. Now, this sounds very familiar to what the Apostle Paul was saying when he he mentioned that the, the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. 
God's not a man that he might change things. Why? God is omniscient. Nothing is going to surprise God. God knows when he chose Israel, and this is a great example that should encourage us. God is going to move in the last days to bring a remnant of Israel to faith that are going to fulfill the promises of God. And all of that comes about because of who God is. It's his nature to work change in our life. To take an individual, what individual? One who's in a covenantal relationship with him. To take that person and bring about godly change. That's the nature of our Lord. He is faithful to do that. And that's why he says, look carefully at this verse, verse uh, 34 in most Bibles. Lo achalel briti, I will not profane my covenant. And that which goes forth from my lips, literally my lips, I will not change. God is faithful. He knows everything. He knows the people that are entering into a covenant with him. He knows our shortcomings, our our rebelliousness, and God's going to work to bring a change in our life whereby we will be used by him for his glory. Next verse one now this speaks about the oneness of the purpose of god for one reason god has saved us and he says one there's one reason i have sworn in my holiness and then he says since to david i will not lie now here again this i believe the best understanding of it relates to the messianic promise that god gave to david that there's going to be one who rises up from him from his lineage again not a physical descendant but rather a legal descendant not having any of that that bloodline why because if you know jeremiah chapter 22 at the very end of that 22nd chapter there's a very important prophecy and that prophecy says none of the seed now that word seed can mean a descendant it can mean an offspring if it's masculine and it usually is it can refer to a son and it's also that word for the biological part of a man what he impregnates a woman with that that seed and what he's saying is that seed is not going to be literally of any of that house, that house of the one called Yehoiachin. That that physical seed is cut off. That's why we have Messiah entering into this world, not being a physical descendant of Joseph, only reckoned to be of the house of David. Now, you have to remember something, and that's this there is very important implications to what the Torah says. And the Torah says that everyone, every child that is born within a covenantal marriage belongs legally, is the son of that father. Well, we know something. The Bible in the New Covenant emphasizes that, that Joseph took Miriam, that's Mary, as his wife but did not know her meaning no relationships with her until after yeshua was born that's why it says that that he was supposed to be meaning he was considered to be based upon jewish law the son the legal son of joseph even though none of joseph's seed was involved in him being created and therefore when we look at the scripture he says here he's not going to lie to david there is going to be that that promise of messiah but he's going to come into this world differently in order that also that prophecy concerning that wicked one yehoiachin will also be fulfilled next verse verse 37 in hebrew 36 and others his seed forever will be and his throne as the sun before me 
sun is s-u-n like the sun and the moon we're talking about the sun and there is and this is poetry the view is that the sun is of old long ago long before any any human being meaning this god created on the first day he created light but not the light of the sun rather he created on the fourth day the sun the moon the stars all of this it was the sixth day now that goes all the way back for from david's perspective that's a long time ago and that's the perspective of this of this passage so look again at what he says his seed forever will be his throne as the sun before him meaning something that is permanent something that old something that's that's not going to fall away verse 38 he speaks now in this next verse 37 in your bible as the moon is established forever and it says a faithful witness in the sky selah that word selah is a word of affirmation and a word of emphasis and all of this is poetic language promising that god's promise is eternal that god's promise if someone says you know this is going to last as long as the sun and the moon have endured you're going to say that's good enough for me that's a long time for something to to be and this is what god is saying poetically we can rely upon this promise it's going to be look at the next verse now here in this verse verse uh, 39 in the hebrew text 38 in others it's going to move into a a few verses that is going to speak about the cross and is going to do so as you can imagine very poetically and we know something what did messiah say on that tree he cried out my my father why have you forsaken me so he was calling up to god why have you abandoned me why would god abandon his son upon that cross at that moment when he was was physically and spiritually suffering so intensely well we know the answer the scripture says he who knew no sin became sin for us and on the cross when messiah became sin what does that mean he never sinned but the sins of the world were placed upon him and when that transpired what was the outcome that that relationship between god the father and god the son was momentarily broken and this is what we're talking about here look at this verse verse 38 in most bibles 39 in hebrew and you and it's a word for for we might say uh renouncing rejecting and then the next word has to do with you and if we say the the typical expression now this is in the future but if i say nimasli i'm fed up with this it is something that i loathe And what we find here is God the Father speaking to his son on that cross when Messiah says, Oh Lord, why, my Father, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's because, as I said, he became sin on that cross, that the punishment of sin, and what's the punishment of sin? It breaks our relationship with God. So Messiah is saying, You, you have uh, renounced me you have rejected me you loathe me and notice this next word some will translate it as anger maybe better understood as wrath and your wrath is with who your anointed one what is that Meshichah. your messiah is literally what it says here verse verse 40 in hebrew 39 and others now this is a word that is speaking of the same type of rejection and it says here you have renounced you have rejected the covenant of your servant you have profaned 
to the earth his crown now it would appear when messiah was suffering upon that cross that then he died that everything was lost he had received the wrath of his father again not because of anything that he had done he's the perfect son of god righteous holy always obeyed his heavenly father sin he never did but this one who knew no sin became sin for us meaning this he took the punishment the full punishment of sin so that we would not have to and because of that it would appear as though this is from the mindset of david that that covenant that god made with david concerning messiah had been renounced and secondly that that his throne and here's the word for crown which relates to his administration has been been profaned meaning broken unto the ground it was tossed there verse 41 40 in english and others it says parasta ko gedar otav which means all the the hedges this can mean all the boundaries what what we might think god would never break through it's been broken through why well this covenant that god made with david appeared with the death of messiah to be broken through to be rendered null and void and he says you have had place his stronghold as and this is a word for destruction so over and over here in these few verses what it's saying is because of the cross it would appear as god's promise of the messiah his salvation his victory all of that was was rendered null and void it was renounced by god rejected by god and is over but understand something that is from an earthly perspective we do not rely upon an earthly perspective what do we rely upon we rely upon a kingdom perspective and one of the words that should always come into our mind when we are speaking of the kingdom is resurrection resurrection is a kingdom word resurrection changes everything one moment death the next moment life one moment defeat the next one victory and that's what god is going to reveal to us but keep looking it says as though you have burst through all the boundaries you have set his his strongholds as destruction and all the ones who pass on the way it says they have been plundered and also it says here there was disgrace to his neighbors so he was uh, open for public reproach he was disgraced among all those around him it would appear keep reading next verse verse 43 in hebrew 42 and others the right hand of his enemies you have raised up and it says all of his enemies have rejoiced you have cause to rejoice now what's he referring to here when messiah was hung upon that tree as he was approaching death the enemy rejoiced the enemy thought that they had won that's what it's speaking here when it says all those who pass by the way what way the way of the cross they look and they they want to take plunder and we see this is fulfilled for example in his garments that were gambled for and divided up and and given to the soldiers he was public ridicule and scorn to those who who saw him this is what it's saying but notice what else next verse but you have returned the edge of his sword and has not been he has not been raised up he has not been raised up in war another statement for for utter defeat but then it says keep reading verse verse 45 then it says you have canceled out his purity and his throne 
to the ground you have cut down so again many verses looking at the cross and believing from an earthly standpoint all has been lost next verse you have shortened the days what days the days of his his youth and you have covered up upon him shame selah unto when meaning how long O lord are you going to hide the face the implication is forever face how long are you going to withhold blessing how long is this defeat going to last okay will like fire burn your wrath and the implication is is this forever is this this is the future eternal future and we know the answer is no because of resurrection then it says next verse verse 48 in hebrew 47 in others zachar ani now most would say that in modern hebrew would be zachor oti remember me and it's speaking now about a a human perspective this one is crying out and it's saying remember me and how is my lifespan now lifespan from a human to god is is a vapor it's nothing and what it's saying is remember the frailty of of a human being furthermore he says until when is the futility what's futility the fact that you have created all human beings what he's saying is this based upon the frailty the 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 limit of a human life we can't comprehend any of this we can't understand and appreciate what really is taking place here in god's plan to bring about a change so he's saying remember our frailty the shortness of our life and how in vain is a man's life meaning this in the natural there is no hope in the natural there's not going to be change but there's nothing natural about resurrection that's the implication of this who is the man and this word means a mighty man who is the man who will live and not see death his soul will it flee would escape from the hand of Sheol, selah now all of this is what it's saying man is is frail man is is uh short-sighted man can't escape death can't escape the grave he's going to go to the place of all death to sheol that's in the natural but messiah is going to work that which is supernatural and that is a reference to the resurrection and it's through the resurrection that there is victory keep reading notice what he says where is your grace now that word grace is in the plural so we could translate it where is your abundant grace as in the former times O lord for you have sworn to david in your faithfulness now david yes it's that covenant that i've been speaking about over and over that god made with david the son of jesse in regard to his son the son of david and idiom for messiah so this faithfulness god swore to david so just because it looks hopeless from a human perspective when messiah hung upon that cross when he says it is finished and he died when he was buried when he was in that tomb for three days and three nights it all looked hopeless to humanity but god god gave his word god made a covenantal promise to david and god is going to to work in the abundance of his grace and because he has sworn to david concerning his faithfulness look at verse verse 51 in hebrew verse 15 other languages remember 
O Lord, the disgrace of your servant. Now again, I think that this is best understood. Remember, remember the shame that your son bore upon the cross for his people. And and how, notice what something else it says. Notice how it says that he, I lifted up in my my chest. What's in the chest? Heart. So it's speaking about his heart. All the what? All the many people. Now, what he's saying is, in this case, I've lifted up in my heart. That is an idiom for I have thought thoroughly concerning this. And I've given thought to what? The many people. Now, some Bibles will translate this word rabim as strong, but this is incorrect. God is thinking here about humanity, how numerous humans are. And if Messiah is not successful, then all of humanity is lost. And what a great and tragic loss that would be. So he says, Who? Your enemies. They have disgraced, O Lord. Meaning this, all of this does something it brings disgrace upon you because you have made covenantal promises so he says remember my my lord the disgrace of of your what your servants excuse me verse 52 and in hebrew verse 51 who your enemies have disgraced O lord who they have notice this they have disgraced in the footprints of who your messiah so let's look at this and get it right it speaks in this verse the second to last verse where it says whom your enemies have disgraced O lord who they have disgraced the footprints and this is the way of the way of your anointed one and here again it's that word Meshichecha, your anointed one. Now notice how the psalm ends. Baruch Hashem leolam, amen be'amen. Blessed is the Lord forever. Now this word forever is a kingdom word. What this verse is telling us is blessed is the Lord concerning that, that kingdom, that eternal promise. And notice how it ends, amen be'amen which is a word of faith, a word of truth. It is an admonition, believe this. This is the blessed God. The blessed God who his word stands forever. There is that eternal aspect. All of this is a a hint. All of this points to the promises, the kingdom promises of God. And God is blessed. Why? For who he is? Of course, but because of this kingdom promise. God is not going to allow his anointed one to be shamed and disgraced by the enemies of Messiah, the enemies of God. And what changes everything? One word, resurrection. So over and over, we need to put the emphasis on the fact that Messiah has been raised from the dead. The fact that he has been raised from the dead God the Father raised him from the dead, speaks of victory and where that sting of death, where the shame of death, where the defeat that death represents, all of that is shattered, destroyed because Messiah resurrected from the dead. Without that resurrection, our faith, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, would be in vain. So Psalm Psalm 89, a powerful psalm a messianic psalm one that if we understand what this psalm says we have so much to be thankful for so many reasons to worship god to approach him with gratitude and to realize no matter how bad it looks from a human perspective from the kingdom perspective we're just one event away from eternal joy eternal victory, eternal blessings, 
and taking hold of all the promises of God. What event? Resurrection. And resurrection is that kingdom transformation that's going to take place when Messiah gathers up his covenant people, his new covenant people. And my hope is that you have received him, that you have acknowledged, yes, I have sinned, I have failed God miserably. But I believe that all of my sins, my past sins, present sins, and future sins have been placed upon him. When? Even long before I was conceived and entered into this world. 2,000 years ago, when Messiah was on that cross. God transcends time. Don't think that God cannot do this. He has. My sins, the sins of the world, were placed upon Messiah. And if you believe that, you confess your sins, and you believe that Messiah died for you and your sin, and you believe that he rose from the dead, you not only have fellowship with the sufferings of Messiah and the death of Messiah, but also the resurrection of Messiah, which means you will have that kingdom experience. God makes wonderful promises. They're available. He invites you to take hold of them and know the goodness of God. Well, I'll close with that. Until next week, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.